0: Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Town Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the NFL's Week 15 and 16. We'll be talking about the NBA, and we'll have Jack's hot take. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Town Sports Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow and turn on the post notifications for Justin Town Sports social media on iTunes, Oh, I'm sorry. My apologies. That's yes, where you can get the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. But on your all your favorite social medias. Now, as always, don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something. Loyal listeners, welcome in. If you're new here, welcome to the show. Uh, for all my loyal listeners all over the southeast, uh, Southeast Asia, Southeast America, apparently unpopular in the southeast. Um, I appreciate all of you guys for sticking with me. As you can hear, our audio issues have been solved. Um, I don't know what was going on the past couple of weeks, headset situation. I don't know what's going on, but regardless, we are back. You know, a little bit of life lesson. You know, sometimes they say you got to go back to the original before you go forward and i had the microphone I'm using now it worked well i admit i got lazy and i didn't want to hold it anymore it's not a headset i just spread my microphone i didn't want to hold it anymore and then i went to a headset and it worked perfectly fine but as you guys if you know if you listen to me i've moved and in the move i guess the headset got damaged and it had a weird echo background thing going on um and it made all the audio sound weird and I have a couple of great shows in my opinion kinda of lose their traction because the audio sounded funny. Um, but I think the audio is fixed now. Uh, thank Jesus the audio is fixed. And now we can really get into this, really get into the sports show. Into one of America's fastest growing sports shows, one of Southeast Asia's grass fastest growing sports shows um in each of the regions. I would like to grow in other places. Also shout out to you guys for continuing on the social medias. Um facebook is dropping off a little bit to pick that back up instagram is steady rolling twitter interactions are up um so i appreciate all of you guys for that we're even going in the podcast listen so if you're sharing it with your friends keep sharing it with your friends tell your friends shared it with you share it with your share with some of their friends that you may not know um keep sharing on your social medias i greatly appreciate it. i thank all of you guys for that but with all the platitudes out of the way with all the gratefulness and the genuine gratefulness. I mean, I wouldn't do this if I didn't think you guys were getting a genuine benefit out of it. I would keep all these bad ideas to myself. But getting all that stuff out of the way, let's jump right into NFL Week 15. I've said it before. I said it a couple months ago about the Chargers. Um, and I said it last week about the Chiefs. I know my audio was a little weird, so maybe you didn't stick through the podcast to hear through it. But I said it last week about the Chiefs. I'm saying it this week about the Eagles. Something's wrong in Philly. Like horribly wrong The Philadelphia Eagles Came off a Super Bowl Where they feel like they should have won And it's not the usual Man you know we should have won this game Or you know coaches speak I'm a coach I can go back into a blowout And say six plays turn this game You lost by 40 But I can say six plays Um, You know the game I coached in That we were outmatched from Jump Street Um you know, it, it went wrong on the open kickoff. They ran the kickoff back. And I can point to about six different plays where that game is different. And we may we may not win it, but you're much closer than you were, right? The Eagles legitimately are probably four plays away total out of a hundred to mod play game from winning the Super Bowl. Two whip routes, uh, a pass interference, and a hold go a different way? The Eagles are probably reigning, defending Super Bowl champions. And you get, and you come off of that, offensive coordinator, gone. Defensive coordinator, gone. So now, a fairly young head coach, in terms of experience, and age at this point, to be honest with you, Um, Nick Sirianni is now having to replace his O.C. and his D.C. Coming off of a Super Bowl run, if there's any time you don't want to replace major staff members, it's off Super Bowl runs. You definitely don't want to replace both because now you don't even have the continuity of saying, well, I know the deep, well, let's say the offensive coordinator leaves. I think it's Gannon. Let's say Gannon leaves and goes to Arizona because the other coordinator is in Indy. But let's say Gannon leaves and goes to Arizona. I think it's D.C., whatever. You can at least say, okay, I know the offense is going to work. So we'll have to ride our offense to protect our defense, how so our defense gets used to it. Or the def- or the O.C. leaves and the D.C. stays. You go, well, we got a hell of a defense. So let's lean on our defense, protect our defense, don't take any chance to put our defense in a bad spot, and we'll lean on our defense. You lost both. So you don't know what's going to work. It looks good in practice. It looks good in the preseason. You don't know truly what's going to work. So the Eagles come into the season. Right again now, they're right off of it. Right. Having to play with both coordinators, the players are feeling the Super Bowl hangover. Um, they may actually be kind of rebooting something the they did. Like a Dominican Sue poorly may come back. You know, so you're, you're going into the season and you're rolling. You can get to ten and one, but there's cracks, small cracks, not big ones, small ones, infinitesimal ones. Off bad offensive game here. Secondary can be had if you don't pass rush here. Coaching oddities on play calls offensively over here. Short yardage that honestly doesn't work that well if it's not tush push over here. But they're winning games, and you know you see that in kind of. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in basketball. There's preby issues to other teams too. There'll be issues that'll be covered because you're winning. It's not the fact that, they, that you have a great offense or a great defense. They're just winning games. They barely escape Buffalo. You know, like, that's the game that stands out to me as, like, the red alarm fire game. It's Buffalo. Buffalo at that point was floundering. I, I, I recall saying something's wrong in Buffalo. Like, they're floundering. They're trying to get their life together to be kind. Um, They're struggling And The Eagles barely escape In a game that The that Bills didn't necessarily play that well in The Eagles barely escape And kind of the red alarm Something's going on Bills Started popping out Fast forward to get smacked by San Francisco Not great But everybody loses San Francisco mm-hmm. One of the, That's to me the best team in the league right now. my Super Bowl favorite If I was a betting man I would bet San Fran. That is the, that is the Super Bowl bet right now. The San Francisco 49ers. Unless it's incredibly poorly juiced. And then don't worry about it. But that is the San Francisco 49ers. Right? So getting smacked by San Fran isn't the world's worst loss. It's understandable, actually. But then you go and you get punched in the mouth by Dallas. Who we just saw get punched in the mouth by Buffalo. We'll talk about that. Get punched in the mouth by Dallas. All right, that's really not good. But, Bill, you know, Niners are the best team in football. The Niners also have that streak. Remember last year, every pretty much every single team, if not every single team that played the Niners, lost the next week. All right, all right. Then you go and lose to Drew Locke. After Drew Locke goes 92 yards, basically on James Bradbury, because Brad- Bradbury gave up every single catch in the drive, you go 92 yards to clutch you from Drew Locke, and you lose that game. All of 10 hours or 20, 36 hours before the game, there's an announcement that Sean Desai, who was the defensive coordinator, is now going up to the booth. Matt Patricia is going to call the defensive plays. Also, shout out on a side note, shout out Matt Patricia for being an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator in less than about 10, 12 months. I mean, that's that's impressive. He was a page offensive coordinator, not a good one. He was the Eagles, and now he's the Eagles defensive coordinator. Like, he's got to be one of the few guys in NFL history to be both. To be an OC and a DC. Now granted, he technically wasn't the OC for the Patriots. So you may lose that distinction of being the only one to do that because officially he wasn't. Uh, officially the Patriots didn't have coin last year. Whatever. But back to on point, back to the point rather, um they made the announcement that Sean decides going to the booth and that Map is gonna relate radio in the defensive plays to the Green Dot, the defense captain. Basically, he's gonna call the plays which is odd. Kind of reminded me of when Buffalo fired Ken Dorsey in exchange for Joe Brady. I'm like, the offense is working. Josh Allen's just being a nincompoop. The defense is working. You just have a secondary problem. And to me, that's more of talent than anything. Because Patricia, on that last drive against the Seahawks, had the right calls on. Bradbury just got torched literally all the way down the field. There's nothing anybody could have done as a defense coordinator they found your weakness in football, it's another word, but they found your weakness and went after him for 92 yards. There's nothing anybody could do. If he was in zone cover, they hit his own. If he was a man cover, they burned him on the route. Like, there was nothing anybody could do. Bradbury got torched. And so something going on in Philly, because then the offense last, or Monday night rather, was a disaster. If they weren't tush pushing, or just flat out, I'm bigger than you, offensive passing, it didn't really work. Um, Swift was working, but for the most part, it didn't go necessarily that well. Um, and so maybe they did need an offensive coordinator switch. Um, they need to do something in Philly. Right now, they are floundering uh, in Philadelphia. Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Jake Browning doing his best Joe Burrow impression. Oh, we spoke about it the past couple of weeks. He's on an efficiency level, especially in that franchise that no one's ever done but Burrow. And usually NFL history it's pretty much been Burrow. Um, and he is rolling. Um, did not play a very good game at all against Minnesota for the most part. But when he needed to, he, well, for lack of a better term, channeled his inner uh, J- uh, Joe Burrow. Um, he clutched it at the end, including a, a great pass to Higgins, who made an all-world effort catching the ball in contact, playing his feet, spinning around. It's all over just in time sports, and extending the ball over the goal line, basically not looking at it, just kind of reaching back for kind of knowing where he was on the field. Uh, insane field awareness, insane body control, but you have that going on. The defense held on strong. I mean, they were going against. Um, uh, Nick Mullins against the Vikings, not the world's best quarterback to test this against, but the defense holds on strong, and it is just a great moment for Jake Browning. Uh, you got a similar moment we spoke about earlier, Philly, Seattle with Drew Lock. Uh, Drew Lock much more emotional than Jake Browning was, but you get these all-time moments from these uh, from these let's be honest, backup quarterbacks um, that can truly potentially elevate their careers and save the seasons of the teams they're quarterbacking. Now, Drew Locke got a huge win over Philadelphia teams only has four losses. So, this win is going to be very critical to the standings because if it's a common opponent moment, that win over the Philly may be the only different of the common opponent. You know, like, we both play the same division because NFC East, so to say the NFC West, it comes down to a team that, you know, they have the same exact record, except one beat Philly and one didn't. Now, that's a huge game. If you're Jake Browning, you're literally captaining the ship because Joe Burrow was hurt. And also, you're quarterbacking for a chance at a starting position. Because if you look around the league, this quarterback draft can be deep, but it might miss. What are you going to do for the Giants? The Saints. Um, What are you going to do? If you, you are, are, oh man, I think some other teams right now that's like, and I know, I know the Bucks, what the are you going go to do? Mayfield. Mayfield. Um, um, the, the Raiders, what's your plan there? there. Um, um, Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota, what are you going to do in Minnesota? Minnesota. Uh, Pittsburgh, um, Pittsburgh. Like, like, you know, there's you know, landing spots, spots that Browning could end I don't up mean, being in. in that could be that huge, for huge, huge for him. him. And he got that opportunity because Joe Burrow got hurt. He's taking advantage of that opportunity. Um, He's making some magic all over the field right now. Kudos to Jake Browning. Brandon Staley is fired. And I make no. And I do, and I mean it. I get no joy in this. I really don't. I get no enjoyment in this. In the slightest I really don't And I say this when I called for his job last week I don't like this But I called for his job Pretty much saying He's out of there right And you lose the way you lost You can't save your job In that moment Um, Brandon Staley has been fired by the Chargers They, They fired him They fired the GM Tom Telesco, They fired a Three other four other assistant coaches of ownership made a sweeping decision to clear out the regime um, of the Los Angeles Chargers. And that is truly one of those moments. It's like, wow. You know, um, they came and they knew what they wanted to get done. They realized they weren't playing Charger football or oh, what they deem as the football, they cleared house. Uh, so kudos to the Chargers for not sinking the ship um, any further. Now reportedly they are connected to John Harbaugh, or Jim Harbaugh, rather. Uh, Bill Belichick's been linked to them for the past month and a half, um, which was ironic because both of them, Bill Belichick had a job, and the Chargers had a coach for the past month and a half. And so now that, now that Staley is fired, that um, that yeah, um, has, become has become an become even bigger, bigger um, so connection, so Belichick so to the Chargers. Chargers. Oh, oh, the Cowboys! Remember we spoke about them, and I was like, "Man, they got crushed. They got embarrassed. You lost an NFL game by multiple scores to a team." Who's quarterback never passed the ball for a hundred yards? I mean, no, 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 no. Just, let's just be honest here. If you don't throw for a hundred yards in the NFL, I don't give a good I don't give a good care if it's Madden. Probably not gonna win that game. You're definitely not gonna win a game thirty-one to ten. Josh Allen was seven of 15, 94 yards. With for a touchdown with a QBR of 53.8, a.k.a. slightly above average. He beat Dak Prescott, who himself was 21-34, 134 yards, one interception with a QBR of 38.5, a.k.a. below average. Um. Oh, and on the Indomitian Sioux news, Indomitian uh, Sioux front, just pointing out he just visited the Dolphins today. So I know there was interest from the uh, Eagles. But he visited the Dolphins. Visited the Dolphins. Uh, left out of contract. You want to know why the Cowboys lost that game? They got punched in the mouth repeatedly, and they got punched in the mouth repeatedly to the tune of forty-nine carries. 266 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, you heard me. The Bills ran the ball 49 times for 266 yards, 5.4 yards a carry, three touchdowns. And the longest run they had all night was 24 yards. They just hit you over and over and over. James Cook himself ran the ball 25 times for buck 79. 7.2 yards a carry and a touchdown. That's what happened to the uh, the Cowboys. They got manhandled. They actually drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round for the sole purpose of that not happening to them. And they got mauled in that game, offensively and defensively. Dak Prescott looked uncomfortable all night. Um, and the defense showed no signs of life against the run game at all. Um, and they got absolutely crushed. Oh, uh, that's, that's the kind of loss where even if you find a way to bounce it back or you find a way to win the next week, you should think about that loss. Like, that's a physical beating. That's the kind of loss where people in the inside of the building and your fan base and the media question how tough you are and how physical you are. Buffalo, 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 who literally, literally, and I do mean literally, literally, never never has done that to, well, Well, anybody, 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 anybody. Uh, Uh, has never done that to, like I said, said, anybody, anybody. and I do do mean anybody, since Josh In the Josh Allen era Unless Josh Allen ran for 100 of them But even still that's not how that went down Did it to the Cowboys And one of the big things that stood out In that game uh, And then we'll move on to our last game Is a few statistics It highlighted The depth of difference Between the Cowboys At home and the Cowboys on the road See we all kind of have that Cowboys At you know Cowboys theme in our heads Of what they look like the Cowboys on the road have they? Have, the Cowboys have played seven games on the road. Okay, if you take away the Giants and the Carolina Panthers, the Panthers is the worst team in football. The Giants ain't much better. In those two games, they were two and a half points a game. They only gave up five a game. They just shut out one of them again. We got seven to the other, or ten to one and zero to the other, something like that. Never sack, never get a ball away, right? Two total domination with two really really bad teams. Good job. In the other five games, they played on the road, which includes Arizona, the Niners, the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Bills. They are 1 and 4. I believe the only win is against the Chargers. They score 15.8 points a game, down 21 points. And they give up 29.2 points a game, up 24 points. Set 19 times 8 giveaways. Cowboys at home are plus 24 points a game. They have never lost. They're plus 142 yards a game. Dak Prescott is one of the best quarterbacks in the league at a 122.5 passer rate. The Cowboys on the road and the Atlanta Falcons, and I got this from First Things First, are the same team. Exact same win percentage. Points per game difference. Uh, the Cowboys a little better, but they're, they're, they're still negative. Yards per game difference, Falcons actually do better against yards, and Desmond Ritter is only two points lower in the passer rating comparison than Dak Prescott. Your quarterback becomes Desmond Ritter, and your team becomes the Falcons. Congratulations! Congrats, right? You really good a
1: hope.
0: Sucks, because you're not going to be the number one seed, and you're probably not going to win your division, which means you're going to have to go on the road to the playoffs, and it sounds like your season's going to end very quickly. But are we surprised surprised? at this point?
1: point? It's the Cowboys. Cowboys.
0: It's like, like, what they do, do. lose Lose. in games that matter. matter. Congrats. 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 And then lastly, the Ravens uh, take down the Jags in a game that has to be frustrating to the Jaguars. Um, Because that's one of those games where as a coach, you can legitimately say six plays. Um, Two missed field goals. Trevor Lawrence's fumble. Um, there was a blunder in the special teams era. I mean, they could legitimately say we're six plays away from winning this game, probably comfortably, and you lose it decisively. Um, and it, and so, from the Jags, man, it's, it's that's two weeks in a row. The Jags have beaten themselves, uh, their worst enemy is themselves right now. They need to get that under control. And Baltimore took advantage, you know, Baltimore didn't dominate this game, Baltimore didn't run away and hide with this game, Baltimore didn't, you know control this game from the outset, Baltimore was controlled for a vast majority of it. A good majority of it, Baltimore was controlled, Uh, but they were able to take advantage of opportunities when they presented themselves. Uh, They were able to um, make their field goals, for one. They were able to, um, to to make their field goals, for one. They were able to take advantage of turnovers. Um, even if they didn't move it very far, they moved it enough to flip the field back over in the, in the punt coverage. You know, they were doing things to attempt um, to win this game, of course. Um, and they did a really, really good job of taking advantage of it. Lamar Jackson, man, watch, every time you watch him, he does something, you're like, wow. Um, I mean, literally every time you watch him, he does something that wows you. Um, and he escaped from a sack, uh, so well, the defender said how. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a privilege to watch him play. Um, and so the Ravens are a really good team, man. I mean, the Bills are probably the team I don't want to play in the playoffs because they're going to be somebody six or seven seed and give somebody hell on earth. But the Ravens are a really, really good football team. Um, and you're gonna have. It looks as it sits. You're gonna have to go through m and Bank to win, and that's gonna be hard to do. Uh, you're gonna have to go through Baltimore. It's gonna be really hard to do, especially the Mars on his game, uh, to beat the Ravens. All right, quick hitters. Uh, CJ trial likely out this week as he continues to battle through the concussion protocol. Um, prayers up to the young man. He was a Dark Horse MVP candidate as a rookie mainly because no one else has jumped out. I mean, probably Christian McCaffrey. Brock Purdy is probably, I mean, the two Niners are probably the best the favorites right now. Um, so, probably give it to Christian McCaffrey, uh, which would be a big thing for running backs. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is done for the year. Um, I know he was teasing being medically cleared for Christmas Eve. Um, you know, and possibly playing week 15, week 16, the team was in the playoff contention. Or uh, we, you know, 17, 18, until we the playoff contention, he is officially out. Uh, he told Pat McAfee, he just uh, he's just a couple of weeks away. Um, a few weeks away, rather. Considering that it's week 16, a few weeks away means that he probably would have, he potentially could have came back for a wild card game, but the Jets aren't going to make the wild card. Um, so his season's over, which confirms, uh, despite. Despite the hope but admittedly, despite, I, I kind of wanted to see it uh, But despite Man Rogers' best attempt uh, Achilles still a season And in the injury Now he does have the advantage He's already practicing Normally with the old Achilles injury And the traditional Achilles surgery You're on the shelf for like 9 to 10 months um, And then you're pretty much Working your way back That following year Week 1, week 2 Probably be your first few weeks practicing He's practicing already He's going to have a month five weeks of legitimate NFL practice before he goes into the offseason. He can do a real offseason program. He can do a tradition. he can do a real offseason. He'll instead be rehabbing, he'll be working out, strengthening, getting ready to go, studying. It's a real offseason for him instead of rehabbing. Um, And then he was activated off energy reserve for the sole purpose of being able to continue to practice. Um, which is something that he would not have been able to do, had he not been uh, activated off injury reserve, because he was uh, in the practice. He opened his practice window, um, and then that being said, once you open your practice window, you have to. You have 21 days to um, be activated, or you uh, be out for the season. You can't practice, um, and so. He'll, he's, of course, been activated on game days. Obviously, he'll be inactive, uh, but he was activated. He can continue to practice, which is a big thing for the Packers. I'm sorry, the Jets. My apologies. Uh, DeMonte Kazee uh, has been suspended for the year for his hit on Michael Pittman. Um, Tom Brady spoke up in defense of Kazee, saying this is what he was talking about, and he went on a rant. As yeah, much of a rant as Brady to go on But he went on a rant on the Stephen A. Smith show Discussing that quarterbacks have a responsibility to their receivers Offense has a responsibility to the offense Don't put yourself in a position to get your head knocked off Or don't put your teammate in a position to get his head knocked off And then get mad at the DB for knocking his head off You know what I'm saying? He was saying like he wouldn't throw the ball to certain spots uh, He wouldn't throw the ball in certain spots against Uh, Ray Lewis because Ray Lewis knocked his receiver Out the game and now he didn't have that receiver Or he wouldn't test certain people In certain spots because that person would knock him out the game He was like there's a certain duty A quarterback has to receivers that You know to not throw the ball In certain spots for you know to protect Them Um, and it's not the Defender's fault to protect the receiver from being hit Hard like that's obviously shots To the head is different obviously dirty hits are Different but to me that was a That was a situation where what was The defender supposed to do You know, um, Minshew throws a ball, Pittman's full extension diving out. What is Kazee crashing down from the safety position supposed to do? In the NFL world, he is supposed to probably get out of the way and let uh, Pittman touch it or do some kind of acrobatic punch at it or, you know, touch him while he's in the air and if he drops it, he drops it. If he catches it, he's down right there. Because he laid a hit, because he turned his shoulder and laid the hit. The issue was, instead of hitting Pittman in the shoulder, he hit Pittman in the face, being his neck back. It was a nasty visual. Oh, um, and because he was thrown out the game, he was subsequently suspended for the season. I think suspending half of the season was insane. I, I can see four games, um, four games, regardless if he, you know, four games including the playoffs. So if he. You know, if the Steelers make the playoffs, he'd be out five minutes, You know, he'd serve the games he needs to in the playoffs. If they don't, he'll continue to serve them next year. Week 16, 17, 18, and then the playoff game, or 16, 17, 18, in week one. Um, he would serve his suspension. I think spending him for the year was outrageous. I also believe that if this hit was in week two and not week 15, he's not spending for the year. I think spending him for the year was easy. The Steelers probably aren't going to go very far. If they make the playoffs, they're out in round one. Four, it'll, it'll effectively be a four-game suspension I think if it happens in week 10 He may spend the four games anyway um, So I just think it was one of those situations where the NFL Used the term out for the year um, When they could have used the term You know, four-game suspension And it would have been better um, Or at least better Better taken in By the casual fan Cause I saw a lot of casual fans were up in arms about it being soft and all other stuff And then they're Brady we on his defense of it as well. Um, so that would be interesting. It'd be interesting to hear Brady in the booth. If a bang bang play this were to happen, what is his immediate opinion? What is his thought right that second? Not, you know, I had to watch it 10 times, type it out, edit it, whatever. What is your, you know, uh, somebody makes the call, the player play guy makes the call, you're on color commentary, player play makes the call, he goes, what are your thoughts on the hit, Tom? What is your immediate reaction? Is it the offense has duty to protect the players, the defense was in a bad spot, or is it immediate, like, that's a rough hit and kind of placate around it and then later offer an insightful opinion? So that'll be interesting what happens with Tom Brady. And then lastly, uh, Justin Houston and Jason Pierre-Paul both have been released and both have cleared waivers uh, from their respective teams. So two veteran aid, uh pass rushers looking to join contending teams uh, to add some pass help both um, – have been released and cleared waivers but up next next, we're going to shift to our nfl week 16 Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about NFL week 16. Not the world's best week. Um, when, you, when you get this late in the season, not a minute, when you get this late in the season, you're looking for matchups that matter. Four and eight versus three and seven or three and nine only matters to the teams that they have their draft picks. I mean, let's be honest. Um, 10 and two versus one and 14 or whatever. It doesn't matter to anybody because you're going to expect the 10 and 4 team to run over the 1 and 14 team. You're only watching if you're a fan base. You're looking for a lot of 8 and 7 versus 8 and 7, 7 and 8 or 7 and 7 versus 8 and 6, eight and six. things of that nature is what you're kind of looking for. Games that matter that could really tip a season. Um, and so it was hard to kind of do that this week, but I was able to find a few games for us to talk about. Uh, it was not a world's best week. Uh, as far as games that matter to the playoffs now there's a lot of similar records playing but it's four nine four nine you know that doesn't really four nine five and twelve you know that that doesn't really do much uh, for the playoff picture but the first game we're going to discuss is lions at vikings now if you're a betting person the vikings are a three and a half point underdog as we sit right now according to espn um i would go with the lions there in the win and the cover um, the Lions are hot right now. The Lions have an opportunity to do something that they've never done, and that's a lockup thing, or they haven't done in a very long time. I don't believe that everyone in the NFC North, actually. The last division they wanted was the NFC Central or something, but they have an opportunity to do something that no Lions team has done, especially in the forward field era, which is win their division. I and mean, they get to do it against a divisional team and against a divisional team that's down. Of course, the Vikings don't have Kirk Cousins. The Vikings have well, no O'Connell. Jesus, he's with the Raiders. Um, the Vikings have Nick Mullins still with the potential of Josh Dobbs coming into the game. Um, now, they're, of course, getting healthier. Justin Jefferson played last week, made it through the game. He'll play this week. Um, but the Lions have an opportunity here. And this is one of those games they talk about great teams not only win this game, Great teams dominate this game. Great teams win this game 35 10, 35 13, 38 21. You know, where there's no question pretty much after the first quarter who's going to win this game, who's the better team, and how dominant are they going to be. Um, and that's pretty much what's happening here with the Lions and the Vikings. I think the Lions are going to dominate this game. Oh, it would not shock me to see a final score of 38 uh, 20 because they have an opportunity here. It's on the road, which is. Add, add, add some complications but it's on the road it's an opportunity for these two for the Lions to just go out there and showcase that they are for real that they are ready to go compete with the elite of the elite they are ready to lock in a home playoff game in Ford Field um, and they're going to go out there and after they're going to dominate the Vikings Jags um, at Bucks Jags are one point underdog here I think this is a bit of prisoner of the moment um, the Jags being the underdog here feels like a prisoner of the moment Baker Mayfield just had well the best game of his career, it's not even close. But he had one of the best games of the NFL season, um, passer rating through the roof. Hardly, I mean, I, to be. I mean, I watched the tape. I didn't see very many. I didn't see very many, if any, mistakes. Um, it looked like he checked into the right stuff, checked out of the right stuff. And it looked like his decision making was on point. Um, he just looked like a quarterback in control. He finished the game with 22 of 28, 381 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he did take five sacks, but he had a perfect passer rating of 158.3 and a QBR of effectively 79. Um, I mean, absolutely slicing and dicing the Green Bay Packers' defense. Um, but And so I think that the, them being favored, I know they're at home. You need know get three points of being at home. But even them being favored, think was Prisoner of the moment with the Jags. The Jags were a prisoner of the moment of both teams. The Jags, like I spoke about earlier, have beaten themselves in two consecutive games. Um, definitely against the Ravens. I mean, the final score I believe was twenty-four to six, but that game didn't play like twenty-four to six. That game played um, the final score was, yeah twenty-three to seven. I'm sorry, but that game played like. Jags 26, Ravens 20. Um, And then you go to the previous week, uh, the Jaguars went up against the Browns and blew it, um, you know, let Flacco get his rocks off, and again, just flat out beat themselves. So that's two consecutive weeks where they beat themselves. I mean, they could have locked up the AFC South and be the one seed right now in the AFC and make the whole Super Bowl path go through Jacksonville. But instead, they're climbing up, probably not going to be the one seed. And they're honestly trying to stave off their division at this point. Um, and so I think it's a bit of prisoner in the moment. I don't think the Bucks have the roster capable of making the Jags beat themselves. And I know it's weird if I'm saying they're beating themselves and the Bucks not having a roster to make them do it. But Baltimore was able to apply certain pressures where Jacksonville kind of cracked a little bit. They missed two field goals, pushed one, pulled the second one. It's a classic kicker. Uh, Trevor Lawrence in an attempt to What it appeared to me Switch hands and stiff arm And defend at the same time As he was switching hand with the ball Stiff arm came out So did the ball Um, And then there was a a God awful situation at the end of the half Where they got it down to the 10 With like 9 or so seconds left and then instead of spiking it, Trevor Lawrence ran a hurry up out route. The guy gets tackled in bounds, and the half is over. And so instead of going into the half potentially nine seven, you go into the half nine zero, with a fumble, a run out of clock, and two missed field goals, and for for good drives in the first half. You've had five drives, four of them got inside the thirty ish, three of them have made it inside the red zone. You've come up with zero. Um, and so that's the sort of thing that the thing the Jags were just they were dealing with the Ravens' pressure and the pressure of playing the Ravens, and the Bucks don't give that off. Now if Baker comes out first two drives touchdown, all bets are off. Here we go. Um, but I just don't think the Bucks can do it. Baker's a roller coaster. He's gonna go up. He's gonna go down. He went about as high as you can go. You kind of get the drift. Cowboys, Cowboys at Dolphins. Cowboys plus one and a half here. Hammer. And I do mean hammer the Dolphins. You saw what just happened to the Cowboys on the road at Buffalo? To the tune of Josh Allen, 94 passing yards, and they're running for 266. You're going to go to a Shanahan disciple. Can't stop the run. A pretty simple run game. Can't stop the run. But no don't know. Can't say that Joe Brady was pulling the backside tackle That was inventive, But A fairly simple power game Instead of pulling With the guard You pull with the tackle And James Cook
1: You're
0: gonna go to Raheem Mostert And the rest of that crew With Mike McDames With the speed of Tyree Hill and Waddle And you're gonna try to Defend that And the defense Doesn't get much easier To be honest It doesn't It doesn't get a whole lot easier Um and you're going to have to go battle through that now. I think the Dolphins run away and hide from the Cowboys. I mean, we've seen what the Cowboys look like on the road. They become the Atlanta Falcons. Would you pick the Atlanta Falcons against the Dolphins? I wouldn't. So I think the Dolphins run away and hide uh, from the Cowboys here. And if they, the Cowboys show keep them in that. By the third quarter, we could be looking at 30-10. to 30-13. to 13. Um, The last thing you want to do, get beat to sleep on the road is to go back on the road. Um and so they gotta deal with the Dolphins now and all their speed. Tua's rolling. He could be the MVP this year. People looking at Purdy and C M C it might be Tua. Um and so he's absolutely playing rolling right now. Um I have no ill things to say about Tua Tagovailoa right now, I really don't. Um but he's absolutely rolling right now. Um as he scheduled to get Tyreek Hill back. The Cowboys can be in dire trouble. Uh, hammer the Dolphins here if you're a betting man bingles at Steelers Steelers plus two and a half hammer I do mean hammer the bingles I don't understand this line a lot of the lines this week especially from the games I pick make sense for instance Vikings plus three and a half against the Lions
1: okay okay
0: in a neutral field, that's six and a half point difference. I'm, I'm with that. Home field, three points. Okay, I'm good. Not a touchdown. Jags plus one of the Bucks. The Bucks got three points for home. Neutral field, Jags a little four-point favorite. Prison of the moment. Jags have beating beaten themselves lately. I get it. Cowboys line, based on statistics, makes sense. Because they can get in the shootout. I don't understand the Bengals still as Unless you're telling me that Mike Tomlin is going to mess with Jake Browning so much he keeps the game close, I don't understand it. Because to me, if the Bengals score 24 points, they run away and hide with this game. I don't see the Steelers, it's to Mason Rudolph now instead of of uh, the disaster known as the Trubisky, but I don't see the Steelers score more than 17 points here. So in order for that to happen, and plus two and a half to hit, the Bengals have to score less than 20 you see what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's unlikely. I don't understand the line here. Now, this is plus three and a half, plus four. I get it. I'm with you. And a neutral site, they say Bingo's plus five and a half. Bingo's minus five and a half. I understand that. Um, and again, I, I, I would think plus three and a half, plus four here for the Steelers. Not really. Plus two and a half. That's a little low. You're looking at a Jamar Chase. You're looking at a T. Higgins. You're looking at a Tyler Boyd. You're looking at a, a Joe Mixon. Jake Browning is playing really, really efficiently. I think, that, I think they go 24, 27, 30. I don't see if they looking past 17. Uh, so with that being said, hammer the Bengals here. The Bengals are gonna win this game. And lastly, Ravens plus five and a half at San Francisco. Take the San Francisco 49ers here. These are two physical teams. These are two quarterbacks who are doing their job fairly well. Um, you know, you've got Brock Purdy Who's one of the top passers in the league Despite being less attempts You've got Lamar Jackson Who's trying to overcome the loss of Mark Andrews His tackles are being hurt all over the place But his defense is legit He's making pop plays He'll hit Zay Jones He'll hit um, Odell Beckham He'll dance around himself um, So you've got that going on And like I said, Sam Fran Sam Fran's a pitcher in the Super Bowl A lot of people are saying be a Super Bowl preview There's some weird color thing Going around on social media uh, about the colors, the team colors that appear in the Super Bowl ad have like gone to the Super Bowl so many years in a row, and this year with San Fran and Baltimore. Um, so, um, to, a lot of people are saying this to the Super Bowl preview. I don't think Baltimore is making out of the AFC, but I think San Fran is holding the title at the end of this year, which is going to be very dire for my Brock Purdy take. But I'll have to eat crow, it is what it is, unless he plays bad in that game and they still win. So, keep that posted. But um, I think San Fran's the best team in football. They're the most complete team in football. You look at it. They've got two all pros in the offensive line. they got an all pro fullback. they got an all pro running back. They're probably going to have an all pro or a pro bowl level quarterback. They've got an all pro or a pro bowl level receiver, if not two of them. they got an all pro tight end or a pro bowl level tight end. That's the offense. We're not even going to talk about that defense. they got six first round picks on the D-line. They've got the best middle linebacker in the game. They've got a pretty solid secondary for Fungus hurt So the secondary is not as crisp and clean as it normally is, but they are ridiculously talented. John Lynch has put a great roster there, and Kyle Shanahan is deploying it well, um, and I just got the 49ers winning this game, plus 5.5. I still take the Niners. I've got the 49ers winning this game, 30-17. to 17. I just don't think the Ravens have the guns right now to compete in this fight. But up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down with the association. to the association, uh, entering tonight's game. So I'm recording this Wednesday night. As you guys know, it's stereotypical of me to do so. I uh, record Wednesday night. Um, and, of course, you'll hear this Thursday morning. But as it releases Thursday morning, uh, these standings probably won't change a whole lot. Maybe a couple teams flip around, but the teams themselves will all be there. Um, but out east, we have the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Philadelphia 76ers, the Orlando Magic, the New York Knicks, the Cleveland Cavs. Uh, those will be the six teams automatically in with no play-in tournament uh, to deal with for those organizations. And then, of course, you've got the Miami Heat, the Indiana Pacers, the Brooklyn Nets, the Toronto Raptors, and the Atlanta Hawks. So those teams, the Hawks, is the current 11 seed they would not be in, but the other teams would be in uh, the play-in tournament. The Hawks and the Raptors are actually tied in the lost column. And then out west, we have the Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Denver Nuggets, the Sacramento Kings, the Dallas Mavs, the red-hot Los Angeles Clippers uh, would be the top six in the west. uh, They would automatically be in. And then the New Orleans Pelicans, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Houston Rockets, the Phoenix Suns, and the Golden State Warriors, who were one game behind the Suns, um, are the next five, the Pelicans, Lakers, Rockets, Suns, would be the playing tournament with the Warriors again at the, at the moment. One game out. One team that was not mentioned in those uh, 22 teams I named are the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they're currently 7-19, and 19, I believe. Uh, they're six games out of eighth. Uh, I think six games out of eighth. Uh, but they were a while back. Uh, they're struggling right now because they have played. Their 25 games without John ja Moran. That sentence is over. Uh, he arrived last night in New Orleans, much to my chagrin, uh, because I am a Pelicans fan. But he arrived uh, last night in New Orleans. Uh, they sit six and a half back from tennis, the Grizzlies. Uh, but he arrived last night in New Orleans, much to my chagrin. And early, the Pelicans were dominated. They were up as many as 24 points. Then the was, came off the bus. Uh, Memphis, like, turned the intensity up. I don't know if that was a John Moran effect. Uh, having him back, turn those guys up, I'm not sure. But they went to work. Um, John Moran himself scored 14, I believe, in the fourth quarter, uh, including the game-winning buzzer-beating layup over Herb Jones, um, in which is a painful video, but it's probably hilarious to other people, where Dyson tried to come in from behind and block it, and they both missed the ball and high-five in the air as Ja drops in the floater, bounces around the rim, and drops in as time expires um, to complete his ultimate comeback. Uh, He finished the game with 34 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists. He looked gassed, but there was a couple of moments in the game late where they kind of got saved. Um, There was a review or a dispute about something uh, where Ja got to rest. Then, like, the suing possession on defense, they put him on a person in the corner, and that person wasn't involved in the action. He got to rest some more. Then it was like a free throw right after that. He got to rest some more. And it's like it powered him up for the last, like, minute and a half, two minutes, and they completed the comeback. Um, CJ McCullough missed a couple of bad, I mean, missed badly a couple of threes late. That if he hits the three, now they the Grizzlies to get a three. Instead of Job being able to be tied and go for the layup, he'd be down three and have to make a shot. Um, Maddie still hit it the way that game was going, but... Um. So he looked great in his return. He hit the shot at exactly 901, which is the area code for Memphis. Um, it was it's one of those storyline moments. If you believe in scripts for sports, this couldn't get any more scripted. I mean, he comes back, has this great game, most points ever in a, in a game, most points ever in a game, or person's first, first game back when he missed 25 consecutive games. So any long defended break, he has the most points ever in the first game back. Uh, like I said, he hit it right at 9-on-1, which is Memphis area code. He does it in a 24-point comeback. He does it against Zion Williamson, who was the number one pick in his draft. He was number, Ja was number two. He does it on the road. The only thing would have been better probably if it was in Memphis. Um, but he does it on the road. His dad's in the crowd. Um, He's a buzzer beater. Like, I said, outside of it being in Memphis, I don't see how this could have been any more perfectly storyline for Ja. Which, considering he probably feels like it's him against the world for the most part, probably on the road was better. Um, you know, with him, you know, with Zion, you know, Brandon, he stayed off Brandon Ingram, leading his comeback. He has thirty-four, six and eight. He hits the game winner. He gets the post-game interview. Like, and it's just like I said, it was a story there, and he, it was, it was, a, it was a great moment to watch. Like I said, I have to remove the fan me being a Pelicans fan and. Observe the moment um, Especially as a person in the media um, And it was it was a dope moment I can't even lie to you um, It was pretty cool to see uh, So uh, kudos to John Morant I hope he keeps his head on straight He's an absolute joy to watch And I hope that he is One of the faces of the league For a very long time Along with Zion Of course as Luca. But in the NBA It's traditionally an American face so, I'm hoping it's John Morant, Zion Williamson, that group, Tatum, um, Cooper Flags coming up, that group that really elevates the NBA to another level. Oh, we spoke about it earlier. Man, those red-hot Los Angeles Clippers, they've won eight straight. They've done it. They've won eight straight. They've won, oh, man, I want to say 12 of the last 13 or something like that. Oh, 13 of the last 14, some outrageous number, and they've done it. James Harden at point guard. Russell Westbrook's minutes has greatly diminished, um, and they're running James Harden at point guard, and he is absolutely cooking people. Because now, instead of Russ bringing it up as a non-shooting threat and then kick to Harden, now Russ becomes a non-shooting threat. Now everybody's getting helped off, and you're helping off Russ at all times. Russ is not really playing. So now it's just a bunch of dangerous opponents, zoo-boxing the paint. You've got to shoot. You've got Kawhi. You've got PG. You've got Harden. You've got to make a decision. And that decision... For most people, has been let Harden go, and he's been going. Um, he hit a clutch and won three. Reason yelled into the crowd. I mean, he looks like James Harden. Um, he looks like contract here, James Harden. He looks like I need to prove myself again, James Harden. Um, and He's absolutely rolling. The Clippers are rolling. Everything's going swimmingly in Clipper land. They're right now the better team in, in, in L.A., which they've been – regular season record-wise for the vast majority of the LeBron era in um, with the Lakers, especially when they got Kawhi and PG. They've been the better regular season team for the vast majority of that time period. Um, and so right now they're rolling again. They flew past the Lakers in the standings, and uh, the Lakers hung their in season banner, which, again, is a banner the Clippers don't have. And but the Clippers are just absolutely rolling right now. Kudos to those guys. Now you're probably now thinking, you're okay. thinking, okay, Justin's been a little too nice to the Clippers. You guys know how I feel about the entire collection of people. Russell Westbrook, you're not gonna win him as your primary decision maker. He's not gonna win if he's a key contributor of your team. Russ is basically out of the rotation. Like he plays, but doesn't really matter. Okay. James Harden cannot be a focal point of your offense. He's the point guard and pretty much been spearheading their offense. That's not going to work. Kawhi Leonard has yet to get hurt. He's yet to get injured. Rainy's waiting in mind that. Not going to work. Paul George has been routinely injured the past couple of years, especially late. Waiting on that. And Tyron Lue has only shown the ability to be a championship level head coach when he's coaching the greatest basketball player to ever dribble, which is LeBron James. Uh, I don't see LeBron James on the Clippers especially in prime LeBron James so therefore I'm still standing by the fact that the Clippers won't see the second the Clippers won't see the third round neither will the Phoenix Suns because they can't stay healthy and they're thin and they don't play defense it's almost as if I said it when they made the trades whatever um, but the Clippers will not play meaningful games in late May um it's not what they're built to do. They're built to be entertaining in the regular season and to flame out. People go, what happened to the Clippers when they lose? Uh, well, right now, they'd be coming kind to of play the Nuggets, and they would lose to the Nuggets in five games. But it doesn't matter what James Harden does. It doesn't matter what Kawhi Leonard does. It doesn't matter what Paul George does. They'd be out in five because James Harden's not a playoff performer. Kawhi Leonard's body doesn't stay healthy that long, and PG is neither of those things. So that is a downside for the Clippers, but hey, great eight-game win streak. I actually, I actually am quite impressed. I don't want to sound sarcastic there. I actually am quite impressed how good they're looking. Uh, then a couple of shooter news: uh, Damian Lillard joined the twenty thousand point club. Uh, congratulations to Damian Lillard. He had a great game when he broke it, but he has joined the forty thousand point, the twenty thousand point club. Rather, there's only one person to forty thousand points. Um, And then Steph Curry's uh, mind-blowing streak of 284 consecutive games with a three-pointer made uh, was snapped against the Wizards, ironically. I think it was the Wizards. Raptors? Wizards? Somebody not that good. Uh, But his st- streak was snapped. Now, he started it back up last night against the uh, Celtics. But his streak, I think it dated back to like 2018 of uh, 284 consecutive games making a three-pointer. Was snapped. He had a couple of good looks at one uh, late, and just data didn't go in. Um, so, And then, of course, Mr. the Celtics, he's flicking up shots late and draining them like moon balls, and then draining them and hitting the night-night celebration. So he's back. Um, but, you know, just for that one game, he was off, and his streak was snapped. But up next, we're going to have Jack's hot take, which is going to be a discussion about the early signing period and the transfer portal. Welcome back into the show And welcome in to Jack's Hot Take Which is going to be a talk about The college football landscape Of early signing day, transfer, portal, etc So, as you guys know If you listen to me on show more than a couple weeks in a row You know I coach high school football And I'm also really into big sports, obviously And one of my favorite sports is college football And so when I was growing up, the transfer portal didn't exist. Um, And I'm not that old, I'm only 26, but the transfer portal didn't exist as a kid. If you transfer from a school, you cannot stay at the same level. If you want to stay at the same level, you were ineligible for a year. Coaches traditionally blocked you from the conference and blocked you from anybody that was going to be on the schedule the rest of your collegiate career. So if you were, let's say you were at LSU. And you wanted to transfer to Miami. Well, LSU could block you from playing, from going to anywhere. So if you want to transfer from LSU, You want to stay on the same level. You were interested in going to Miami. LSU could put restrictions on your transfer. You can't stay in the conference, and you can't go to anyone on the schedule for the next two to three years. Whatever. Unless you're eligibility. If Miami was in final no registration for some reason, you couldn't go to Miami anymore. No so, now, you were in a bad spot with your coaching staff. And if you wanted to transfer to Miami, you couldn't because they put restrictions in you. Uh, that was a part of your condition for being released from your scholarship commitments. So, that put a lot of pressure on people. People often would say, okay, I'm not going to do that. What I'll do is I'll go down. See, Cam Newton leaving Florida, being at Blaine College. FBS to JUCO was a bit far. A lot of people with FBS. Well, if you FBS football bowl subdivision to juco you could come back up immediately is why he went from florida to blend dominated that blend back up to uh auburn because there was no restriction there because he went to juco if you went to fcs and you tried to come back up you were stuck a year so climbing a level you're out of year same level you're out of year Going down your eligibility immediately. Going to JUCO eligibility immediately. JUCO up your eligibility immediately. Cool. Let's get the rest of that out of the way. Well, then this thing, a few years ago, got popular called the transfer portal. That was when a whole bunch of kids were end the transfer portal. Not a whole. I'm getting alerts on my on my wrist now about kids that are in the portal. Not a whole lot of homes are being found. Then the NCAA instituted a rule: of the one-time free transfer. And it was designed, I believe, for COVID, but it was a one-time free free transfer. The argument was, how can a coach recruit a kid in and then leave the kid and the kid stuck? That was one of the arguments. My argument was, how can you hold a kid to a commitment he made at 17, 18 years old? For 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 the rest of his life, he's held to that decision. It's not like he committed a crime and not his service sentence. He simply chose, effectively, the wrong place of employment. And you're going to dictate the rest of his life off, again, effectively choosing the wrong place of employment. Every other student on campus can, there may be a little penalty, but, like, for, for me, I went to Southeastern. If I had decided, I to an University, if I had decided, and at one point I was considering it, to go to undergrad at LSU, I would lose a couple of credits, but I'd be allowed to move. You know what I'm saying? If... Um, let's say Tackett Curtis, he's at USC, he's transferring. Before the transfer portal, before the one-time free transfer, he would have had to play at Northwestern State or go all the way down to JUCO and then come back up. You know, and that was a dangerous game because what if, you know, the coaches, you know, let's say LSU wanted them, but say, okay, we're going to send you to a JUCO we like, and then we'll get you back. Um, what if he, if he gets hurt there? He's not tied to anybody. He's not, you know, there's no... You know, you can't write out on paper transfer to Glenn College, will get you after a year. That's a wink wink phone call agreement that you go to this college, play well, they'll develop you, we'll make sure it works, and then you'll come back up to us. There's, I mean, there's no guarantee of that, right? So then they put in the one time transfer rule, and the portal got active because now guys who were second, third string with the same class let's say you and another quarterback came in together, you lost the battle, whatever and y'all in the same grade, y'all in the same class, well, you would have to register to try to avoid them, and even then, you'd only have one year left, and that's saying you beat the other guys that come in. Quarterbacks flew in the portal. Linemen flew in the portal. Everybody flew in the portal. Kickers flew in the portal. Because now they were able to try and make their own opportunity. These days, it's pretty much a free-for-all transfer portal. I don't believe it's a one-time rule. I think it's you can do whatever you want in the transfer portal now. But... What people say was, oh, this is taking the opportunity from the high school kid. This is killing the high school kid. This is ruining the high school opportunity because, for instance, um, one school just took a visit to SMU, and the whole school went, and the coach turned around and announced his players. SMU are taking five freshmen this year. I think it's four or five freshmen. Out of a class of 30-something, they're going to take five freshmen. The rest are going to be transfers. Now it's a little bit different. SMU, they have a new staff. Uh, see Deion Sanders what he did at Colorado, even though most of his class that signed today was freshman too, and that big left tackle that made the big thing about going on undisputed and committing to Colorado and oh help players like us that do 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 didn't sign today and it's looking like he's gonna go to Maryland in a bidding war, so that whole big stink was power play good for that kid, um, but it hurts Dion too to count on that kid. Anyway, whatever. So. Uh, they only take five freshmen out of a class of thirty something. Five are going to be high school kids. Okay, that hurts, right? It does. But what about the kid? What about early signing period? My contention is that early signing period hurts more than the transfer portal because the transfer portal may keep the fringe FBS guy or the friends guy at a level, and make him go down a level. But then he can simply ball out next level and transfer back up and maybe get a better opportunity. Maybe he was a friends guy for the FCS level. He goes to D2, balls at D2, gets in the portal, and now he's power five. You know, now he's whatever, because he simply had that chance to grow. So, to me, that doesn't really hurt them. I think the early timing period does more damage. Here's why. It changed the calendar. So what happened was it put national recruiting to the forefront first because usually you try and lock in your state through December, Christmas, New Year, and then whatever you don't feel like you're locked in commitment-wise, that next cycle, you already established national relationships, but now this is all American games, there's All-American games, a lot of uncommitted talent, you can, you can keep talking to these guys, whatever. Now you have to focus on those guys before they even get to early timing period. So now... For instance, look at LSU, for instance. They had 27 commitments. All 27 signed to them. So LSU's not evaluating another high school player the rest of the, this cycle. They're moving on 25. No other class of 2024 player will be signed to LSU. Maybe two or three. Maybe. And that's not even counting the transfers they're coming on. That's all freshmen. You know, like I said, maybe two or three. But now that fringe guy who maybe got that spin-the-block look on February when um, two or three commits flip, he's not getting that look anymore. You look at, I look at an FCS. Southeastern's gonna sign most of that class this year. But what happens if it is a left tackle somewhere who's actually pretty good but didn't really get put out there? When now his spot's not available, he would've had a chance to be evaluated for February signing day he doesn't get a chance to be evaluated for December. That spot's gone. Now he's not available to go to that spot. So, yeah, the transfer portal is an opportunity. Is it hurting? Because instead of it being a 25 freshman class and get two or three transfers, it's six, seven freshmen at the big, big, big level. Man, by big, I mean like first year coaches. Instead of being 50 freshmen or 40 freshmen, they're getting 45 transfers and five freshmen or six freshmen because the pressure to win immediately is so great. But unless you decide 27 freshmen. Um, <clears throat> Alabama just signed 20 some odd freshmen Georgia signed 20 some odd freshmen Deion is still transferred for Portland because he has to win now um, Those the have been established But those friends players who popped Their junior year, who popped their senior year Now aren't getting the opportunity At the next level At the level that they should be on Because they're not ready for early signing period They would have all that stuff ready for February So to me the early sign-up period does as much, if not more, damage to the high school prospect than the Trash Report. But that is all I have for today. I thank you guys for joining me. We went a little over an hour here, so I appreciate you guys rocking in with me. My audio issues are fixed, prayfully. I believe we're good there. I thank you guys for rocking out with me. Um, Merry Christmas. I won't talk to you guys again before Christmas. I'll talk to you guys between Christmas and New Year. Um, Merry Christmas to all of you guys And your friends, your family I hope you have a great day I hope the blood of Jesus covers you all As you celebrate uh, Christmas And enjoy To all the kids on break Have a great break Stay safe To the parents Hunker down for a couple of weeks Uh, To my fellow teachers and coaches Enjoy the break Um, Watch some basketball Watch some football Really enjoy yourself But that is all I have for today This is your owner and host Justin Jackson Signing out